Good morning, class. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School is the place where my spirit is fed, my faith grows stronger, and I learn how to be an overcomer. I know that uh, there are numerous situations in life that, uh, that can wear you down if you allow it to, and you can get to the place where you feel defeated. You don't feel like an overcomer. You feel like you're overwhelmed, that you're overcome. And that's why there is a need for something like faith school, so that you can hear something other than the problem. <laughs> if you just feed on the problem and think about the problem, how bad it is, and how impossible it is night and day, you won't have any faith to overcome. You'll, you know, faith comes by hearing. Well, hearing about the problem, uh, you have confidence in the problem <laughs> to destroy you. Or, but if you hear about faith in God, you hear about Him, His ability, His desire to help you, all that He's already done for us in Christ, then your faith in God becomes greater than your faith in the problem. And that's when you start seeing some change. So no matter how tough it's been, don't give up. Uh, you're not watching this uh, by accident. The Lord has drawn you to it. We saved you a seat right here. Uh, symbolically for you by faith, take your mind and come on into the class with us. Get your Bible, get something to make a note with and come inside here in the class and you're going to get answers today. Say it out loud. We're going to get answers, We're going to get answers today. today. Well, Father, we, we say that with confidence because we know how faithful you are. We know you are the answer. You know all the answers and you're willing to give to us. You said anybody that would ask you for wisdom and faith, you'd give it to them. And so we're asking you for guidance, for direction, for answers for right now. And we purpose to respect it and put it into practice. And we know that you'll watch over your word and perform it when we do that. Thank you for it. Get glory to yourself in our lives in every part and every way. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. If you would turn in the great textbook, the Bible, to Matthew 9, and let's continue today. A few weeks back, we began a, uh, a series we're calling Faith for Healing. Uh, faith must be fed in every area. You can be really strong in faith that your sins are forgiven, that you're saved, that your name's in the Lamb's Book of Life, that when you die, you'll go straight to heaven, and yet have zero faith to receive a healing. Have no faith at all in that area. Why? Because if you've heard the word in this other area about forgiveness all your life, then you become persuaded, fully persuaded about that. But if you hadn't heard God's will about healing, and in fact, maybe heard some things spoken against it, or that it might not be God's will for you to be healed, you won't have any faith at all to receive a healing. But good news, you're at the right place to receive some faith for healing because we are in the Word on this specific subject. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, the account of the gospel of Jesus, the good news about what Jesus has done, 
We see that a lot of his ministry included ministering to the sick and delivering people. And um, thousands were healed. Thousands were delivered. Uh, but there's about 20 individual cases that are given where we're told who the person was, what was wrong with them, how they received. And the Spirit of God through John said if everything Jesus said and did was recorded, not even the world itself could contain the book. So we have a tiny fraction of the details of individuals healed. But why did the Spirit of God select these, handpick these? Because these apply to everybody in every successive generation. And if we will feed on it, we will see how they received their healing and we'll learn how we can receive our healing because the Lord never changes and he's no respecter of persons. We began looking at um, the first instance of healing was the healing of the leper a couple of weeks back. And you can go back online and, and catch up with us. Won't cost you anything. There's no charge. And we saw that the leper reached out to Jesus and said, if you will, I know you can make me whole if you will. And Jesus said, I will be clean. And he was. And we saw, secondly, the healing of Peter's wife's mother-in-law or uh, he, Peter's wife's mother, his mother-in-law, we would say. Um, she was delirious and maybe near death with a high, high fever and whatever was causing it. And the Bible said Jesus came in when they asked him to minister to her and he rebuked the fever, and it left her, uh, showing us how to deal with these kind of things. You know, it almost sounds strange to a lot of church-going people if they said, man, I've been running a high fever, and, and you said, well, have you spoken to it? Did you speak to it? <laughs> people might look at you strange, but that should just be our natural thought, uh, whether it's ourself or our child. If you've got a high fever or anything else that uh, needs to be spoken to, that you don't just beg God, beg God, beg God. You know, the scripture said, uh, speak to it. And if you won't doubt in your heart, but believe that what you say comes to pass, you'll have what you say. You'll decree a thing. It'll be established to you, the scripture said. Faith calls those things, even that be not, as though they were. And so we're down to number three, the healing of the paralyzed man. And we began on that last week. We're continuing on it this week. And we'll read all three accounts. Matthew 9 and verse 1. It says, He entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city, Jesus did. And behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy. Now that means he was paralyzed for some reason. He was lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, your sins be forgiven you. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemes. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether is easier to say your sins be forgiven you, or to say arise and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then said he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up your bed, and go into your house. And he arose and departed to his house. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given 
such power unto men. Now, why did the Lord have this recorded for us, class? Is it just so we could ooh and ah over it and go, man, wouldn't it have been great if we could live back then and if we could have seen some of these things and experienced this? Is that the only reason? No. Why? The Lord never changes. He hadn't lost his power and his will has not changed and he wants us to be inspired by these. He wants us to learn by these and to get stirred up and go, oh, whoa, that's what they did. And that's how they did it. And next thing you know, you're going to start acting like that. And you're going to start talking like that, responding. And we can have, the, we're supposed to have, the same kind of things happen in our lives today as we're reading about here. Look in Mark, Mark's account, the second chapter, verse 1. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they, came, they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four, or carried by four. And when they could not come near to him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. Some authors of uh, original word dictionaries bring out that it was clay tiling that they broke through. And I believe it's Luke that talks about tiling. So that is an indication of what it was, clay tile, and that they had to crack it and, and break them, enough of them to, uh, to make a big enough hole to let this man down on on his cot or his little stretcher thing. So they had to make a pretty good sized hole. And when Jesus saw their faith, and this phrase is recorded in all three of these, that Jesus saw their faith. He said to the sick of the palsy, Son, your sins be forgiven you. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? Now something you'll notice here, something is motivating these people, these scribes, these doctors of the law, these Pharisees. They are indignant over this. And they think it is a righteous indignation that they are defending God that nobody can forgive sins except God. So how dare this uh, preacher, see they didn't see him as the Messiah, this uh, carpenter's son turned pro prophet preacher, think he can tell this man that his sins are forgiven. <clears throat> I say that to draw attention to this, this spirit. Uh, why do people show such indignation, such anger uh, about when somebody steps up to be bold, <laughs> bold to proclaim what God has said, bold to step out and do? There's something behind it. It's the enemy. It's wrong spirits of the devil that are motivating 
these uh, religious men and people. And the reason why they get so irritated and stirred up is because the devil gets irritated and stirred up when a child of God, a man of God, a woman of God will dare to stand up and boldly declare what the Lord says, boldly proclaim what the Lord says, boldly act and speak against the works of the enemy, oh, it rattles things in the spirit world. It, it bothers the enemy greatly. And so there is this push, and, it, and it's, uh, I don't know, it's adorned with religious trappings and trim that you need to just be quiet. You, you need to, to, to settle down. You need to just sit there and go, if it be the Lord's will, and don't even say that very loud. You need to hush and be quiet and be still. That's the enemy, enemy telling you to sit down and be still and be quiet. Why? Because uh, when the anointing is yielded to and men and women speak and act by the authority and the anointing, then the anointing. Uh, removes burdens and destroys yokes. Well, whose burdens are those? They're the devil's burdens. Whose yokes are those? They're the devil's yokes. Some of those yokes, it took him years to build and get people in bondage and the anointing can just shatter them in a moment. So certainly it bothers him greatly that the anointing is going to mess up all his business and destroy his works, which is all the reason more why we need to not be passive and we need to not lay down and be silent. The Bible said that uh, when Jesus went to the cross, Isaiah 53, it said that Jesus opened not his mouth. You know, he, he had told them that uh, uh, didn't they know that he could call on the Father and the Father would send legions of angels to deliver him? He could have opened his mouth and been bold to call on help and decree help and it would have been delivered just like that. But we'd have been lost. But the scripture tells us he opened not his mouth. Why? So we could be silent? No. He opened not his mouth so we could open our mouth. Oh, come on, can you see it? So we could open our mouth so that we could boldly decree and confess and even demand and require of the enemy to get out of here, rebuke the fever, command people, get up. <laughs> can you see that? Speaking boldly. And you see the enemy's response through these religious but ungodly men who didn't know God they're, oh, they, I mean, they're, they're, their temperature just skyrockets. Their blood pressure just shoots up. And they go, oh, oh, who does he think he is? Who does he think he is? So just get ready when you start doing, acting like Jesus. Not everybody will appreciate it. <laughs> huh? No, they won't. People around you, even people that, you know, uh, should know better. People that maybe, uh, you know, they love you. But they got this religious tradition so ingrained in them, uh, they'll think, well, who do you think you are? You're not Jesus. You're not Jesus. No, but he's our master. He's our example. We're supposed to follow his example. 
And so when he said, your sins are forgiven, oh man, they just, they lost it. And they, they held their tongue, you know, but it was going on inside them, just a, just a, a rage. And, and he said, why are you reasoning like this in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the sick of the palsy, your sins be forgiven you, or to say, arise and take up your bed and walk? Now, uh, you would think, you know, in some ways, uh, he made it worse. <laughs> because now we're talking about a miraculous healing. It hadn't come to pass yet. <laughs> and so, you know, from the natural standpoint, if he says something to him and it doesn't happen, well, this whole thing's going to go bad. But faith uh, is confident of the outcome. And Jesus said, I only say what I hear the Father say. So he is, there's no way this is not going to happen. So he says it and he says, well, why are, you, why are you so stirred up about this? Why are you reasoning like this in your hearts about this? Which one is easier to say? Say to this paralyzed man, uh, your sins be forgiven or get up, take your bed and go. Which one? So now, boy, I'm, I suspect it got real quiet in there. And you probably could have heard, as they say, a pin drop. And, and so uh, uh, then he turns to the man, because they're thinking, is he going to say that? Is he going to say that? And then he turns to the man, and probably somebody said, he's going to say it. He watch, he's going to say it. He's going to say it. <laughs> you know, I think it's interesting that we'll see it on some of these other accounts. Uh, there were healings that happened on the Sabbath day. And the religious leaders got real upset about that too. And more, on one, more than one occasion it said uh, that there were scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees there. And they watched him whether he would heal on the Sabbath day. It says they were watching him. Uh, now that's, that's interesting, isn't it? That they figure there's a sick man in the room. Jesus is in the room. It's going to be healing today. <laughs> I don't care if it's a Sabbath day, whatever. They were expect, even though they didn't accept him, they were finding fault with him. Still, they expected, you just watch. You watch. Oh, yeah, there's a sick man. Okay, all right. He'll heal him. You just watch and see. See, I told you. I told you. Jesus in the room. Sick man in the room. Healing today. Don't care where you are. You know, we need to have that kind of expectation, right? At least as much as Jesus' adversaries, we need to have an expectation. Well, didn't he say where two or three of you are gathered together? There I am in the midst of you. Well, if he's there and sick people are there, what should we expect? Huh? We should expect some healings to happen. I mean, if the Savior's there and lost people are there, we should expect some salvations. If the restorer and redeemer is there and people have gotten away from God, we should expect some reconciliations. We should, we should expect these things. We should think, hey, Jesus is there, sick person's there, going to be healing today. We're expecting it. And so he said, he turned to the man, he said, arise, take up your bed and go your way into your house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed and went forth before them all. Now, this word immediately is significant. When the Lord directs you to do something, don't think about it. Do it. Are you with me, class? Because the longer you think about it, 
the more opportunity you give the enemy to talk you out of it, to tell you why you can't do it. Is he telling this man to do something that he physically cannot do? Yes. Yes. I mean, the man's paralyzed. It took four people to get him into the room there. He's paralyzed. So when Jesus says, uh, get up, not only that, pick up your your mat, (laughs) right? And then uh, go your way to your house on your own power. In other words, they're not going to tote you home like like, like they brought you here. You're going to get yourself home on your own two feet, your own two legs. Well, he's paralyzed. He can't do that. And when the Lord told him, get up, get your mat, and go to your house. The reason he's in the book is because he didn't hesitate and go, "Uh, uh, I can't, Lord. If you'd heal me. Then I'll, then I'll do it. <laughs> if you, see, you get, get in your head. If you wait and hesitate, then there's opportunity to get in your head. And then the moment you do that, you're into reasoning. Now, did you notice that he said more than once to these individuals, these rulers of the synagogue and Pharisees, why reason ye? Reason ye. So they were doing the wrong thing by reasoning when they should have been just accepting revelation, just believing. The way you get a miracle is not through reasoning. You don't get miracles by uh, being skeptical and reasoning and analyzing. Faith is not of the intellect. I said faith is not of the intellect. It is of the heart. Romans 10.10 talks about that, for with the heart man believes. And in fact, Proverbs talks about this, trust in the Lord with all of your heart, lean not to your own understanding. You don't get to faith through analyzing, through reasoning, through thinking. Now, the mind's important, it's true. Uh, That's how you understand things, but you don't believe with your mind, with your intellect. You don't believe. You just process information. You you understand or you remember, but you don't believe. Believing is, is a choice, and it is a choice and an act of the heart. You just choose to accept this as true or you choose not to accept it as true. And so when the Lord looks at this man and he says, get up, get up, take your mat and go. What needs to happen? Come on, help me out. What needs to happen? Faith is of the what? Now, when the Lord said that to him, do you think something jumped in this man's heart? Huh? If the Lord looked at you, don't but the head of the church, Jesus, looked at you and, and said, get up, get up, get your mat and get out, walk out of this house, go to your house. What would have happened? Oh, it would have hit you. It, it would have stirred you inside. And your heart would want to do what? Get up. <laughs> get up and, and sling that mat and, and march yourself. Your heart wants to respond because your heart, God made your heart. 
And in your heart and your spirit are made to respond to his spirit. You have to make an effort not to. Because it's made to respond. You know, the psalmist said, deep calls unto deep. And our, uh, our spirit calls to God. His spirit calls to our spirit. And so uh, the reason he's in the book is because he didn't lay there and suppress that urge to respond from the heart and get in his head and go, uh, uh, and then start explaining to Jesus, well, I had a stroke back, you know, two years ago, and ever since then, I hadn't been able to use the whole uh, right side of my body, and I sure would like to get up. I want to get up. That's why we came today. If you could help me, he wouldn't be in the book. Come on, can you see that? He wouldn't be in the book. That's not faith. That's not acting on revelation. That's reasoning. That's falling back into the mind and leaning on your own understanding. And the moment you do that, the enemy will give you 500 reasons why you can't. Hmm? Why you can't. And you'll never see a miracle coming from there. But what happened? What happened? Immediately. Somebody say immediately. 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 He did what? Immediately. (laughs) He arose. Yeah, but he can't. Yeah, but he did. Yeah, but he can't. Yeah, but he did. (laughs) What happened? What happened? He, He didn't think. He didn't reason. He just acted. He just, he, he went to get up. He went to do what the Lord told him to do. And when he reached the end of his ability to make that happen, the power of God came on him. Oh, hallelujah. When he reached the end of his ability to act, he met the anointing. He met the power of the Spirit of God and it just flowed through and restored his nerves and his spine or whatever was wrong. And next thing, in a moment, he's standing there. Like nothing's wrong with him. And he looks around and he thought, yeah, I'm supposed to get my cot. So he got his cot. He, he threw it around. And he said, see y'all. And he went out the door. <laughs> Just like the Lord told him to do it. Now, that's healing. But this works in every area. When the Lord directs you to do something. And you know it clear. And it's clear in your heart. Do not procrastinate. Do not put it off. Do not say, well, we'll talk about it. We'll think about it because all you'll do is open up yourself, your mind for the enemy to come in and reason with you and give you all these reasons why it'll never work. Immediately, somebody say immediately, immediately act on what he told you to do and you'll see miracles. That's when you see miracles. And we're out of time today. Say it out loud. I live by faith. I walk by faith. I overcome the world by faith. I'm strong in faith, giving glory to God. We'll see you next time here in Faith School. I've got the victory living inside. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today. 
But you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390.